Its war making took on a variety of forms. For example, the U.S. Navy conducted shoot Germans on site convoys, convoys that might include British ships in the North Atlantic along the greater part of the shipping route from the United States to Great Britain, even though German U-boats had orders to refrain and did refrain from initiating attacks on U.S. shipping. Remember? Tom Hanks was in that movie, The Gray... Oh, what was it called? Gray something or other. <clears throat> now, war had already been declared, so the U-boats were then shooting, but he was running the same route because he was on a destroyer. And he was accompanying shipping waffles. And looking for U-boats that may be trying to shoot them out of the water. The only reason the Germans would want to shoot the, the uh, shipping waffles is if they were bringing supplies to the enemy, namely the French and the English. So I'm going to skip a bunch of this. Higgs then quotes George Victor uh, from his book, The Pearl Harbor Myth. Roosevelt had already led the United States into war with Germany. The movie was, movie was uh, uh, Greyhound. That's what it was, Greyhound. Uh, Roosevelt had already led the United States into war with Germany in the spring of 1941 into a shooting war on a small scale. Okay. I'm uh, going to read a long excerpt from that book by George Victor. Roosevelt had already led the United States into war with Germany in the spring of 1941, into a shooting war on a small scale. From then on, he gradually increased U.S. military participation. Japan's attack on December 7 enabled him to increase it further and to obtain a war declaration. Pearl Harbor is more fully accounted for as the end of a long chain of events, with the U.S. contribution reflecting a strategy formulated after France fell in the spring of 1941. Uh, in the eyes of Roosevelt and his advisors, the measures taken early in 1941 justified a German declaration of war on the United States. Can you pause? A declaration. Stop the tape! Little L. Rushbo there for your memory lane. Uh, quick, just a quick note. When he, when he talks about this, remember when I told you back in February this year uh, and then what preceded it that the Biden regime had waged, the, that the sanctions against the Russians were acts of war. You do not sanction a civilian population that is immoral it's against Christ's commandments it's against it's, sin, it's a sin against charity but that's exactly what we have been doing we've also been sanctioning the Iranians and a dozen other countries out there these are acts of war and this is what Higgs is talking about that Victor wrote in his book we were sanctioning the people of Japan we were making war on them. We were sanctioning the people of Germany. We were making war on them. Just, to, uh, just wanted to make, and, and so we're doing the same thing today to the Russians and the Iranians, and uh, I forget who. who and, and maybe the Chinese just not doing business with the Chinese is fine. Uh, with the Mexicans, you're making war against the civilian populations. This is wrong, and this is what caused the war declarations in 1941 that did not come to their disappointment. Roosevelt told his ambassador to France, William Bullitt, 
that U.S. entry into war against Germany was certain, but must wait for an incident, which he was confident the Germans would give us. See? Establishing a record in which the enemy fired the first shot was a theme that ran through Roosevelt's tactics. He seems eventually to have concluded, correctly as it turned out, that Japan would be easier to provoke into a major attack on the United States than Germany would be. Still reading from George Victor, the claim that Japan attacked the United States without provocation was typical rhetoric. It worked because the public did not know that the administration had expected Japan to respond with war to anti-Japanese measures it had taken in July 1941. Expecting to lose a war with the United States and lose it disastrously, Japan's leaders had tried with growing desperation to negotiate. On this point, most historians have long agreed. True story. Read Pat Buchanan's Meanwhile, book Meanwhile, evidence has come out that Roosevelt and Hull uh, persistently refused to negotiate. Japan offered compromises and concessions, which the United States countered with increasing demands. It was after learning of Japan's decision to go to war with the United States if the talks, quote, break down, that Roosevelt decided to break them off. According to Attorney General Francis Biddle, Roosevelt said he hoped for an incident in the Pacific to bring the United States into the European war. It's the end of my quote from George Victor. Okay, so, and then Hicks goes on uh, to continue. I'm going to fast forward here because I want to get to the meat and taters of how Pearl Harbor came about. When Franklin Delano Obama became president in 1933, the U.S. government fell under the control of a man who disliked the Japanese and harbored a romantic affection for the Chinese because, some writers have speculated, Roosevelt's ancestors had made money in the China trade. Roosevelt also disliked the Krauts in general, and Hitler in particular, and he tended to favor the British in his personal relations and in world affairs. He did not pay much attention to Ford policy, however, until his new deal began to peter out in 1937. Thereafter, he relied heavily on Ford policy to fulfill his political ambitions, including his desire for re-election to an unprecedented third term. Germany began to rearm and seek Lebensraum. Uh, Got to say it like a crowd. Lebensraum. Aggressively, in the late 1930s, the Roosevelt administration cooperated closely with the Brits and the French in measures to oppose German expansion. After World War II commenced in 1939, the U.S. assistance grew even uh, greater and included such measures as the so-called destroyer deal and the deceptively named Lend-Lease Program. Now, I've done entire hours on this show on this very day on the fallacy that was the Lend-Lease program. That, oh, we were just doing the fair. Oh, our buddies in Great Britain, they were still recovering from the big one. And they were the mean, nasty Nazis who were beating up on the poor Brits and they needed stapes. They needed destroyers and carriers. And so and they couldn't build them because they were poor. And so we decided we would build them and loan them to them. This is complete and total bullpens. Roosevelt regime was giving those ships to Churchill, and Roosevelt was having private 
secret telegraph conversations with Churchill as Churchill was trying to lead the United States into becoming the ally of, uh, of, the, of the United Kingdom and then declaring a mutual war against Hitler and the Germans. The Krauts knew this. One of the reasons why the Krauts were trying, were bombing in the Blitzkrieg, were bombing the UK, was to try and stop some of these communications. So Roosevelt is conspiring with Churchill the whole time. And Roosevelt, all, he, all, he knows from 1939 on, he knows that he's just waiting for Hitler to make a mistake and to shoot at an American ship or whatever. And when he does, the U.S. is going to war. Three-quarters of a million of our sons are going to be shipped into a war they had no business fighting and are going to die. Another quarter million or so are going to be sent into another war that Roosevelt caused intentionally in the Pacific Theater. 70, 80, some odd thousand, the number, numbers vary, are going to die. They're never going to come home. Over a half a million Japanese young men are going to die. So desperate were they to try and stop the inevitable landfall of the United States Pacific Fleet on the island of Japan that they even took to the practice of what we call kamikaze bombers today, suicide bombers, because they didn't have any bombs left. Why didn't they have bombs? Because they couldn't get any petrol. Why? Because we had blockaded them as we, began, as we had started doing in the late 1930s. The people of Japan began bargaining in 1944, at the start of the year that was 1944. Hirohito was begging Roosevelt to treat with him. He said, let me send my state's people to negotiate a ceasefire. Roosevelt wouldn't hear him. By the time 1945 rolls around, the Japanese are getting desperate. They're losing tens of thousands of Japanese civilians. Every month they're dying of starvation. This is all true. Look it up. Don't take my word for it. Look it up. Pat Buchanan wrote a book about this. By June of 1945, Hirohito is basically on the red phone trying to call Truman and going, look, I don't know what you want, dude, but whatever it is, I'll do it. Just stop the war. Because Hirohito was trying to, he's the holy emperor, not that kind of holy. He's trying to stop the war. He's trying to save millions of Japanese people's lives. There is simply no truth, no truth whatsoever, none, 0.0, zilch, not a nothing, none. Never was any truth, none. Zero point zero. To Operation Invasion X, that we were going to land in Japan and we were going to lose 1.2 million soldiers in a land invasion against the Japs. It was never going to happen, and if it did, it, the casualty wouldn't have been like that because Japan was trying to surrender, and Truman wouldn't let him. Truman said, kill the emperor. No, seriously. Put an end to the Holy Emperor, to the house of Hirohito, and we'll talk about it. This is what ultimately leads to the nuke strikes. So when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, this is an act of desperation because they know they're going to lose a shooting war against the United States. They're trying to stop the Pacific Fleet from going out into the, uh, the Pacific Ocean with dozens and dozens of ships behind them, with the carriers there to do refueling, refueling. 
They're trying to stop the United States from the embargo and the blockade of the island of Japan because Japan can't get oil. The Chinese have some. They won't sell it to them. So this is what causes Pearl Harbor. Back to Higgs. In June of 1940, Henry L. Stimson, who had been Secretary of War under, under William Howard Taft and Secretary of State under Herbert Hoover, became Secretary of War again. Stimson was a lion of the Anglo field, northeastern upper crust, and no friend of the Japanese. In support of the so-called open-door policy for China. By the way, how did the Chinese go communist? Roosevelt and Truman assisted. Look at the photograph of the ceasefire. Where, where were they at? Uh, Yalta on Yalta. Look at it. You're gonna, you'll see the future of the world there, run by the Chicoms. Stimson favored the use of economic sanctions to obstruct Japan's, Japan's advance in Asia. Treasury Secretary Henry Morgenthau and Interior Secretary, uh, Secretary Harold Ikes or Harold Ickes vig vigorously endorsed this policy. By the way, Ickes is one of the idiots that was sent, this is me saying this, sidebar here, that was sent to the Potemkin village in Russia at Stalin's request to see the wonders that was Russian communism. True story. Secretary Harold Ickes vigorously endorsed his policy. Roosevelt hoped that such sanctions would goad the Japanese into making a rash mistake by launching a war against the United States, which would bring in Germany because the Japan and Germany were allied. The Roosevelt regime, while currently dismissing Japanese diplomatic overtures to harmonize relations, accordingly imposed a series of increasingly stringent economic sanctions on Japan. In 1939, the United States terminated the 1911 commercial treaty with Japan. On July 2, 1940, Roosevelt signed the Export Control Act, authorizing the president to license or prohibit the export of essential defense materials. Under this authority, on July the 31st, exports of aviation motor fuels and lubricants and number one heavy melting iron and steel scrap were restricted. Next, in a move aimed at Japan, Roosevelt slapped an embargo, effective October 16th, on all, on all exports of scrap iron and steel to destinations other than Britain and the nations of the Western Hemisphere. And finally, on July the 26th, 1941, Roosevelt, quote, froze Japanese assets in the United States, thus bringing commercial relations between the nations to an effective end. One week later, Roosevelt embargoed the export of such grades of oil as, as still were in commercial flow to Japan, close quote. The British and the Dutch followed suit, embargoing exports to Japan from their colonies in Southeast Asia. Roosevelt and his subordinates knew they were putting Japan in an untenable position and, the Japanese, and that the Japanese government might well try to escape the stranglehold by going to war. Having broken the Japanese diplomatic code, the American leaders knew, among many other things, what Foreign Minister uh, Tejiro Toyoda had communicated to Ambassador Kikasabura Nomura on July the 31st, quote, commercial and economic relations between Japan and third countries 
led by England and the United States, are gradually becoming so horribly strained that we cannot endure it much longer. Consequently, our empire, to save its very life, must take measures to secure the raw materials of the South Seas, close quote. Because American cryptographers had also broken the Japanese naval code, the leaders in Washington also knew that Japan's measures would include an attack on Pearl Harbor. Yet, they withheld this critical information from the commanders in Hawaii who might have headed off the attack or prepared themselves to defend against it. That Roosevelt and his chieftains did not ring the toxin makes perfect sense. Or the toxin makes perfect sense. After all, the impending attack constituted precisely what they had been seeking for a long time. As Stimson confided to his diary after a meeting of the War Cabinet on November 25, 1941, quote, the question was how we should maneuver them, that's the Japanese, into firing the first shot without allowing too much danger to ourselves, close quote. After the attack, Stimson confessed that my first feeling was of relief that a crisis had come in a way in which would unite all our people. We united them, all right. Again, some 20 to 30 million dead in World War II. Now, while it is true that the Nazis, the Krauts, were making a war against the Russians, this was an old score they were trying to settle. This is true. Uh, nothing that Roosevelt would have done or nothing that Churchill would have done would have stopped Hitler from trying to invade western part of Russia. Uh, Hitler actually thought that the Germans were entitled, what an irony, <laughs> that the Krauts were entitled to some of those areas that we call Ukraine today, and that that's, that's the path that they took to get there. But we didn't have to go to war with the Japanese. This was purely, purely an act of military-industrial complex chicanery here. 